Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. This is the injury rundown portion, Monday late morning Pacific time. We'll do the rest of the feature portion. Got a really good show for the feature portion of the podcast. We're going to talk about where the real home field advantage is this year uh, in terms of what's going on. We're going to talk about uh, last man standing uh, and why I don't like injury prone as a uh, descriptor for players and lots of other fun features in that later portion of Pro Football Doc podcast. About 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, total easy for listening, and that will go on OutKicks Podcast Network. But let's get to the injury rundown. Uh, fortunately, a relatively good Sunday and week so far in terms of injuries, knock on wood. Of course, not good if you're Taylor Lewan and Devin Bush, but we'll cover those. But let's go through it. We'll, let's, let's relish some of the better weeks. But there's still lots of things going on. We'll do it always by position, and uh, I have an interesting beast of the week to close out on. Let's hit quarterbacks first. Let's talk first about Baker Mayfield. Look, he was reported with the rib issue. I still think he had an AC joint issue as well. It was reported that he was going to use pads for the ribs. I don't think pads work very well for ribs. You still have to twist. You still get hit. It softens the blow, but it doesn't take away the pain. And uh, it's very hard to play through ribs as a quarterback. Um, I don't hear word that he got a rib block. That's not a criticism of Baker for not taking one. That's not a criticism of the Browns medical staff. It's just, and maybe it happened and it just wasn't reported. But in my experience, you kind of have to have the rib block. I get why people are a little, quote, gun shy, needle shy with Tyrod Taylor this year. But as I've said before, Phillip Rivers, my man, comeback victory. Uh, Colts are in at four and two still. But he took probably a dozen or more rib block injections over my time. I have did over 100 of them in my time with the then San Diego Chargers over 17 years. Fairly commonplace. And uh, go ask Phillip. He wouldn't have played in a lot of those games or, or played well in a lot of those games without it. Uh, it is... A complication to quote drop the lung or puncture the lung but knock on wood didn't really happen in San Diego over a hundred times so it's a small 1% or less chance you can do it effectively Baker Mayfield will get better next week between the AC and the ribs so uh, by two weeks from now it'll be completely behind him but he'll be at least 50% better next week so that's what Browns have looked to look forward to in terms of Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold uh, held out again uh, with the AC joint sprain. Remember, he finished that Thursday game two weeks, two and a half weeks ago, and now missed the next two contests. And his Jets did not do very well. Look, I'm not a player. I do have lots of friends who are slash were players. I feel like I have some special perspective on their motivation. Every single week, you ask players to play through pain. The, the list of players on the injury report is relatively small compared to everyone that has nicks and dings. 85% is a good week. What message does it send your team that your quarterback who could play with an injection is told not to play? So I'm not blaming Sam Darnold. 
What message does it send your team that you're paying Le'Veon Bell to play tonight for the Chiefs, essentially paying the majority of his salary? Two of the better players. Now you've traded another player. You know, human nature, if everyone in the quote company is not out to win and do what's best, why should you? You start to go into self-preservation mode. And I think that showed with the blowout win uh, with the Dolphins. I mean, it, they were 10-point under, underdogs, and it wasn't even close, uh, the Jets. Uh, anyways, Sam Darnold should be back this week. He should be able to practice some this week. So I expect him to be back this uh, week. Uh, and one of the other things we'll talk about in the uh other part of the podcast is how the pandemic, not all these COVID positives, but how the pandemic still continues to affect teams on the field in terms of scheme. And I'll tell you why. And it has to do with, let's say, Cam Newton and Joe Flacco, who substituted for Sam Darnold. Jimmy Garoppolo came back a different guy, right? I mean, could push off. Some of that is his ankles better. Some of that is rust. But you know, he wasn't as bad as he was in week five. Mm, who knows? Maybe he's not as good as he was in week six. But, you know, the bottom line is he's a quality NFL quarterback and uh, with a little bit of a few reps and a healthier ankle did very well and don't expect him to have any issues going forward. Uh, the exciting part there, and I'm jumping ahead, is Debo Samuel. I'm ready to declare that he's back fully. Remember in the preseason injury preview, I said he might go on PUP. He didn't. He went on IR because of the new three-week rule. And then the last couple of weeks, he's been playing himself into form. I think he's there now, uh, Debo Samuel. And we'll cover that again in the wide receiver section. Running backs, everyone wants to know about Miles Sanders. The early word is he escapes anything major, and that's what the video looked like. At the end of the touchdown run, he's got a player on his back and his knee twists. My worry was not for major ligament tear, but for a meniscus tear. Apparently, the MRI is showing optimism, so it's just knee sprain. Yeah, he's not going to play this Thursday, but uh, doesn't look like IR and looks like he'll be back sooner than later, which certainly is Good news for the banged-up Eagles. Mark Ingram with an ankle injury returned to the game, tried to play through, and then probably got sore and stiff. I think this is a routine basketball-style low ankle sprain. By video, it was kind of limited. Didn't see any of the dreaded high ankle sprain, so there's good news there on Mark Ingram. Joe Mixon. A lot was made of Joe Mixon because he left on the touchdown after his foot. We broke down the video there and went back and looked at it. Look, there was a review on the scoring seven-yard run, but there was such a huge pile of bodies, you couldn't even see the ball or the player. And no, I could not see what happened to his foot. But I can tell you he was horizontal. His foot wasn't planted. So whatever happened to his foot, I don't think is serious. He got up immediately after the touchdown and did some funky dance that I won't name because I don't know how to name that dance, but it's a, it's a dance that I couldn't do, and it's a dance of someone with a healthy foot. So, uh, you know, and uh, he did return to the game and finish, so I really don't have worries about Joe Mixon going forward. Uh, Dalvin Cook, oh, let's talk about Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert injured his ankle. 
once again, I don't think it's that bad. He tried to play one play, couldn't really go, but he stayed on the sideline standing. I guarantee you if he had a high ankle sprain, they would have had him off his feet and in a boot or something. I think, uh, you know, is he going to play next week? Hard to say, but it's not going to be anything lengthy for Raheem Mostert. He just got back from his MCL sprain. Uh, Leonard Fournette still hasn't turned the corner with his chronic on and off again ankle issues. Dalvin Cook missed as we expected. Don't listen to the coach speak. Who are they? Minnesota made you think that he could play today, this, this week maybe. He was never going to play from that adductor groin strain as we talked about last week. Now with the week seven bye, he's got a realistic chance week eight. Let's see what happens. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is probably another week or so or more away. Mike Davis is doing well, had a scare of his own. And that's just getting Christian back to full form. So the thing to look for on Christian is when he is back, he's going to be back in full form. It's not going to be a gradual return. And I think that's what the Panthers are waiting for. Nick Chubb is still ticking on the timeline as well as Austin Eckler. Eckler made some progress with sitting in a recumbent bike. And he did well, but the reason why he's on a recumbent bike, if you're on a regular exercise bike, you're sitting on your ischium, and that's where the hamstring evulsed off of, and it hurts. That's why he was on an old man recumbent bike. And so although he was, biking is good, there's a difference there. So I still think the original Eckler timeline, four to six weeks, I would take over. The original timeline of Nick Chubb being six weeks, I would still take under on his MCL. So even though in theory Chubb's supposed to be out longer than Eckler with six-week timeline versus a four to six-week, I think Chubb's still going to come back before Eckler, but we'll see. And we talked about Debo Samuel anointing him good to go. Mike Evans had a down game, but by next week I think he'll be good. Chris Godwin finished without a setback, and so that's good news. And this coming week we finally get to see Michael Thomas. Uh, he obviously, he could have played before, uh, but uh, the other uh, uh, fight issue. Um, and... Um, that's we're leading into uh, wide receivers there, finally getting to see Michael Thomas. Oh, and uh, before we finish our running backs, Philip Lindsay had a big outing, like we thought, with his toe. And uh, a big outing there for Philip Lindsay. Obviously, part of that was Melvin Gordon didn't travel due to strep throat and had his other issue there. Wide receivers, we touched on Michael Thomas coming back. Uh, John Brown with the calf tonight. I think he's going to be able to go, but if he still, Devontae Parker, injury prone year. He's not injury prone, just this year is injury prone for him. Hamstring, then ankle, now a groin. Um, going to be iffy for next week. Alshon Jeffrey. That's a mystery to me. I mean, he didn't get put on PUP, he didn't get put on injured reserve. He's been carried on the roster this whole time, but still not ready to go. And I'm not sure he's going to be ready to go in the short week on Thursday. Deshaun Jackson, though, I think will be ready to go. Partly that's because of the uh, reports coming out of ESPN and otherwise. But Deshaun Jackson needs to be close to 100% to be effective because he's a speedy, smaller guy dealing, relying on separation to get open. But why not play this week against the Ravens and then be able to play against the Giants? Because the Giants are in the NFC East. Uh, realistically, 
Were the banged-up Eagles going to beat Baltimore? They came a lot closer than most people thought. Uh, it was kind of a blowout game the whole game, but late in the fourth quarter, Carson Wentz rallied them. But a victory over the Giants is more meaningful than a victory over the Ravens because it's a division game, and they already have a loss to the Redskins, sorry, the Washington football team in week one. And so they need the division wins because the path to the playoffs for any team from the NFC East right now is to win the division. And intra-division record is one of the first tiebreakers, although the Eagles certainly have the tiebreaker of the tie itself. But that is, this is an important matchup on Thursday for the Eagles. Expect Deshaun Jackson to be out there. Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. I thought he would be able to return from that back bruise and hyperextension so let's look at next week he didn't Keenan Allen from his touchdown catch fall on the back the Chargers had a bye week I'm quite confident he'll be ready to go in week seven Keenan Allen tight end Noah Fant was a little bit of a surprise inactive yesterday uh, I think he'll bode well for next week Zach Ertz word is a high ankle sprain I didn't see it I went back and looked at video. Uh, maybe there's video, maybe it happened off camera. Apparently you heard it twice, got it taped, and then the final play where he sort of limped off certainly wasn't a high ankle, but it could have been an aggravation, I suppose, of the high ankle. So hats off to Zach Ertz to trying to play through if it was a high ankle, but it didn't show up on video. And he tweaked it twice, and now it's said to be three to four weeks, so we'll have to let that sort out. Uh, we'll see if he goes on injured reserve there. Uh, Dallas Goddard should be ready to come off injured reserve in terms of his timeline, but will he look for that practice window to open first? I think this Thursday would be ambitious, maybe next week. Uh, so the Eagles continue to get banged up. Some uh, offensive lineman issues. David Bakhtiari with his chest. I think he's ultimately going to be okay. Jermaine Elamunar uh, with the, easy for me to say, with the Patriots with a apparent by video high ankle. Makai Becton still with lingering shoulder issues. Chuma Adoga with the calf. Lane Johnson missed this game, but I think Lane Johnson and the Eagles are also targeting this Giants game on Thursday, so expect to see Lane Johnson back. And we'll have the field view and injury index up shortly if it's not already. Jack Driscoll, Lane Johnson's replacement with an ankle. Hopefully he won't be needed with his high ankle because Lane Johnson will be back with his uh, preseason ankle surgery recovery. Wyatt Teller with the Browns with a calf injury. Uh, David DeCastro missed with the abdomen. Uh, Marquise Pouncey still having his foot looked at. And of course, Zach Banner's already out. So the Steelers are undefeated, but uh, Tennessee's stout defensive line will put them to the test this coming week. Uh, Taylor Lewan, bad news. I didn't post it early because I don't like to be so negative and we try and stick with our 95% confidence before saying someone likely has an ACL tear. I think we were at 70% confidence because it was only one angle, so we didn't post it early, but then we posted our explanation uh, before the official news. The Chargers, hopefully the bye week will help with uh, Brian Balaga's back, although that's a little iffy. Trey Turner, the guard, hopefully will be back from his groin. Now a few defensive injuries and then we'll hit the beast of the week here. Leighton Vander Esch, activated. He will play 
tonight, Monday night football. Believe it or not, the plate helps him. I've gotten a running back at it back at three weeks. This is five weeks. Leighton Van Der Esch is going to be fine for this game, and that's why you plate and do the surgery. I had targeted six weeks. He's one week early. Congrats to Leighton Van Der Esch. Um, the other bad one is Devin Bush. Uh, let's go to video on Devin Bush here and give you a, a little look at what we see here. Uh, so Devin Bush on this play, here he is in the open field, comes up and then just kind of goes down. The most important thing to see there is that is a non-contact injury. And ACLs, even in the collision sport of football, happen non-contact 80% of the time. And this is a fairly classic non-contact injury. There's only one good angle of it, uh, but we still sort of made the call, uh, and we were hoping we would not be right, but I guess we were. Um, and let me go back to show you the better angle of it here. There is a better replay. It barely catches it. Zach Banner's on the ground. I don't go off a of reaction. Look, Taylor Lewan was very stoic, yet that was an ACL. So it's not a matter of toughness. Players react emotionally differently to injuries. Uh, and certainly Devin Bush, the second year guy, is, is distraught here. But now we go, go back to the video here. You'll see it coming up in one second here. Uh, and I'll run it through twice the second time, slow motion here. It's early, this first step right there, the left knee. And he never puts it on the ground again. Very early is where he tears his ACL. And it's literally that quick. Here comes left knee right there. I know it doesn't look like much, but the classic overstride and shift, and that's where he unfortunately tears his ACL. The rest of the injury replay is window dressing. The ACL already got torn out over here. And uh, uh, this is going to change the Steelers' defense. I think he was uh, key to them there. Uh, in any case, uh, as we continue through, uh, Quan Alexander with a high ankle sprain, and the 49ers got their win. Uh, it behooves me why the Rams didn't run the ball more. They were getting six-plus yards a clip when they did. Uh, Malik Jackson, another eagle. Quad missed the game. Eli Apple missed due to a hamstring. Hopefully those two will be back soon. So let's transition to the beast of the week here. Uh, the beast of the week, we'll give a couple. There's a runner-up that will say, uh, Tom Pelissaro tweeted about uh, 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 linebacker uh, Gruger Hill, who uh, dislocated his finger, broke a bone, and uh, you know, here's the tweet here, dislocated his finger, broke a bo bone, Camus Gruger Hill, and uh, poked through the skin, got it stitched up, casted, and finished playing. But that's more common than you think. I mean, here's an article I wrote a couple years ago on J.J. Watt. Uh, busted the bone through the skin, nothing bad, just tape it up. Uh, for the layperson, this is very unusual, but this is in 2017 that we wrote about this. Open dislocations, finger dislocations happen way more commonly than you think. I mean, 
uh, you got players that dislocate fingers and just self-reduce. We got players, rookies that dislocate fingers and a veteran will reduce it and it doesn't even get to the sideline. Obviously poking through the skin is a little bit different, but that's why the team doctors are there. Clean it up, sew it up, put it back in. Hats off to uh, Gruger Hill for playing through, but J.J. Watt did it, others do it. That's just how tough these guys really are. And then, uh, but our main beast of the week, you guys will be surprised. You know how I hate the designation injury prone? And Carson Wentz has been labeled injury prone by Philadelphia fans with his knee and his back and his this and his the other. But guess what? Carson Wentz is my beast of the week because he is the last man standing on the Eagles offense. If we go to the profootballdoc.com site here, here's a landing page here, and if you haven't signed up, hit this button, sign up. No credit cards, no spamming, no ads. Just email and put in a, a, a password, you're good to go. If we go to the Eagles here, the injury index, you'll see what I'm talking about here. This was posted well before the game. Take a look at the Eagles offense going into the game. Alshon Jeffrey out from his foot surgery. Jalen Rieger, shoulder dislocation, now ulnar collateral ligament thumb surgery. He can come back this week, but he's probably a couple more weeks from coming back, Jalen Rieger. Deshaun Jackson, hamstring out. I think he will come back Thursday. Andre Dillard, biceps out. Jason Peters, his backup foot IR. Isaac Samolo, recently IR with a knee issue. Jason Kelsey is green, but had a hip issue going into the game. So even he has issues. Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles. Yes, is recovering well, but still is out. Lane Johnson sat out the game after preseason ankle surgery. Dallas Goddard is eligible to come off IR this week. We'll be close if he does. But now Zach Ertz, we talked about, is hurt. Miles Sanders hurt. That leaves who? Carson Wentz. Kelsey is playing. Everyone else on the offense looks like they're out, although Deshaun Jackson should be back. Lane Johnson should be back. Jason Kelsey, this is for Thursday. Jason Kelsey, you know, has a hip issue and you can argue a lot of players have issues, but Carson Wentz is the only one without an injury designation. Mr. Quote Injury Prone. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did a good job because overall the Ravens were an A minus and the Eagles were a C plus. And to make it close at the end there. But Carson Wentz is the beast of the week. Imagine this. Yesterday they gave up six sacks and eight tackles for loss, the offensive line. Roughly speaking, every sack is every two sacks is worth a turnover. If you turn the ball over three times in a game, you don't win typically. Uh, the week before against the Steelers, the Eagles still made it close and they gave up eight sacks that week. Carson Wentz is the beast of the week because no question he's playing through being sore and being hurt, not injured. I guarantee you he's banged up. That man has taken 14 sacks in the last two weeks. He's had 26 sacks this season in six weeks. 36 was the Eagles total all of last year. So he's on more than double pace for sacks right now. But 14 sacks in two weeks, 
you're sore and bumped and bruised. And two weeks in a row, he rallied the Eagles to a close game at the end without a lot of help with new people all around him. So for that, I have to give my man Carson Wentz the beast of the week this week for week six in the NFL. Thanks for watching here on OutKick and other platforms. We'll have all the usual places, profootballdoc.com uh, for sign up, but profootballdoc podcast, subscribe at the usual places. Uh, thank you. Uh, we were able to keep the website up this week. <laughs> Last week we had so many people with DAC that it crashed. But thank you guys. Take a look. I'd love to hear from you all what you think of the free website and the service that we're Welcome to the week six Pro Football Doc podcast, the special features segment uh, on OutKick and wherever you subscribe to podcasts here. If you want the injury rundown, that's posted at profootballdoc.com uh, as a different segment. But this is for features, and today we're going to talk about some fun things, including the new home field advantage. And we're also going to talk about the mental side of football. Uh, in terms of how important that is to play through. And then we're going to go through uh, some of the right and wrongs in uh, picks. Uh, so it was, we're still above 500 this week on the outkick picks. We're three and two. We didn't get to four and one, but overall in the season, we're 22, seven and one. And we'll go over that, how that works and how injuries can make a difference. Uh, the unseen injury advantage. So those are our three topics for today. First of all, let's go to home field advantage. A lot has been made this year of home field advantage or lack thereof. Because of the lack of fans, and even when there are fans, they're not that loud in the whole deal. I have to say on the broadcasts, I haven't minded it that much because there's a little bit of noise and you know there's a smattering of fans and you're focused on the product on the field. Uh, it doesn't look as dreary as the NBA did when it was just nobody. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. But the home field advantage is still real and I'll tell you why. It's not the same as it was before where you know the Seahawks 12th man and you get an extra penalty maybe for jumping off sides silent counts for the offense uh, the visiting team offense etc and hotel stays that's a fake thing because teams previously even at pre-pandemic stayed in hotels even at home so the whole sleeping in your own bed stuff is a little bit fake and travel nowadays on a charter isn't that bad. I mean, uh, you know, I did it for 17 years with the team. It really wasn't that bad. There's no TSA. You're not changing flights. You're not making connections. Uh, it's not a little tiny bag of peanuts or, uh, you know, a cup of ice water. It's the travel really isn't that bad. So what is the home field advantage now? The home field advantage, especially with the new rules, has to do with the pandemic. The way the league has upped the testing and protocols, including anyone who has strep throat like Melvin Gordon or Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not saying this was exactly the case in terms of timing, uh, but timing makes a huge difference, and this is the home field advantage. If you pop up with a cold on Friday, and you play on the road, you will get ruled out. Why is that? The NFL says if you have any flu-like symptoms or a fever, 
you need two negative COVID tests to play. But you also can't board the plane without the two negative tests, unless you're trying to fly commercial to the thing, or unless the owner puts up his team plane or some makes some weird circumstance. You need two negative tests minimum in order to return with the team, and that includes the flight. So home teams will have an extra day's advantage at least. And that's the new home field advantage. It used to just be you had an extra day to have the hometown independent neuro guy clear you from a concussion because you don't get on the plane and get cleared in the other city. But now with flu season coming, flu and cold season coming, this is the new home field advantage. The timing for getting a player back to play and back into the system if you have a non-COVID illness. Uh, and the COVID illnesses are treated equally, whether you're home or away. But because of the travel issue, this is something that will come up. Is it worth three points? That's up for the, the touts and uh, Vegas lines people to say. But that's probably the biggest home field advantage right now difference, not the cheering crowd, et cetera. Now, if you look at what happened in Jacksonville, I've been saying for a while, stop chasing positives. In Jacksonville, uh, they put 12 out of 16 practice squad players in the COVID list, on the COVID, on the COVID list. There were reports of, wow, the Jaguars did a great job by keeping the practice squad separate from the team. Okay, I'll give you that. But obviously, you needed to keep the players within the practice squad separate. Look, I've said for a while, it was not good. You're playing with fire that New England, great, flew a second plane to Kansas City. And yes, Patrick Mahomes hug with Stefan Gilmore didn't test positive, and no one subsequently tested positive off that encounter. But you're playing with fire if you have 20 close contacts within the Patriots to Cam Newton. You should have none. Universal precautions, that's what we do in the OR. You treat everyone like they have HIV or hepatitis and blood precautions and whatever so that no one gets it in case there's a surprise. So chasing penalties, chasing positives is not the way to go. But I think the NFL is gonna help this because there's now a penalty box, a five-day penalty box. If you are a close contact, you have to sit in the COVID list for five days. So if someone on your team tests positive and you are a close contact on Wednesday or Thursday, you will not play in the game on Sunday, assuming the game's on Sunday. So there's now new deterrent out there. And the NFL, I think, is figuring this out. Stop chasing positives. There's a five-day penalty box now. And that also factors into travel, right? So in theory, if you five days before you can join the team, that means playing, but that also means flying to the game. So for home teams, that means you have to be, you can't be a close contact within six days. For, for traveling teams, visiting teams. But for home teams, it means five days, uh, not close contact. So there's the home field advantage at this point from my perspective uh, going forward there. We talk a lot about the physical side of football here, and it is a very physical game. And for those of you guys who have listened to the podcast and followed me, I've said all the time, now we're in week six, going into week seven, 85% is a good day. There are way more people injured 
playing through soreness, pain, and injury than on any injury list. And I'm not saying teams are cheating. You don't have to report the injury that it, where you're not going to miss practice time or whatever. Do you believe in after a game of tackle football, there's really only three or five people on an injury report? That's Then why do they have uh, four, five, six athletic trainers? Why do they have three team physicians on the road for every game? Why do they have six team physicians for home games? To, to, to gang up on people and treat them? No, there's a lot of different things going on there. So the mental side of how you treat injuries is as important as the physical side of how you treat injuries. And one of the things that I would say here is you ask players to do a lot. Uh, and I, as a team physician, ask players to do a lot. I remember, I mean, I had several instances. I had several back and, and neck surgeries. After one back surgery, I didn't, it was during the preseason, I was sore as all get out after my second back surgery, a discectomy, but I wasn't playing the game. I had someone from my office drive me to the practice facility of the Chargers so I could stand on the sidelines there. Why? To show everyone that I'm there, that I'm going to be okay, and that I, we ask players to play through a lot. So why, you know, let why not? I mean, I can't be asking players to play through things and I'm just sitting here as a doctor out. And I was sore, but I stood there on the sideline, albeit it was only 15 to 20 minutes. It was more face show. And I remember I didn't tell everyone on the team that I was having the surgery. Head athletic trainer knew, and at the time my friend Junior Seau knew, and a funny anecdote, he sees me on the sidelines during the practice. He runs over and said, you didn't have it? Because I told him I was having it, you know, the day before. And he goes, I said, yeah, I did. He goes, what are you doing here? Go home. Why don't you, you know, follow directions and whatever. And I looked at him and said, you're telling me to follow medical directions. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you're right. And he ran off <laughs> because he was always played through everything, no matter what you told him or what, what you did. But I digress. The mental side is important. And here's what I mean. The Jets mailed it in yesterday. Do they not have talent? No, I think they've got talent. Yeah, they're trading some people and whatever. Is Adam Gase that bad of a coach? Maybe some of you think so. But there's a couple reasons that they were a mess yesterday. One is maybe pandemic football, right? How do you ask Joe Flacco with no offseason, with a new team, with no training camp at all? He just got activated off of injury reserve like two weeks ago to really have command of an offense in play. But more importantly, think of the messaging. Sam Darnold could have played, but they told him not to. Le'Veon Bell could have played, but they cut him and were paying his salary. So two of your star players are being paid to not play. If you're a guy in the trenches, mentally, do you lay it out on the line for your team in that game? Look, if you work in a restaurant or on a production line at a factory, and there are some people who are dogging it and still getting paid and told that they don't need to work the production line. Whatever. Are you going to work your hardest? I mean, if you look around and see others around you. So the mental messaging of football sometimes is as important as the physical. And I often said from a medical perspective in terms of doctoring, what we told a player 
and how we answered questions and how we made them feel and assured them about injury was as or more important than how we actually cared for the injury in terms of putting their mind at ease. So always remember the mental side of injury and playing through injury, not just physical. Uh, let's go through here now uh, some of the uh, picks that we had. Been doing this, I'm not a tout. Every Sunday morning, uh, been writing this top, uh, this article here. Um, and uh, so far this week, we've been four and one most weeks. This week, only three and two. But if we go to the article here from Sunday morning, top five actionable injury issues for week six. I'm not saying it's perfect. And I'm not even looking at the teams. All I'm doing at is looking at the injury inequality. So let's go through these here. The first one, Ravens and Eagles. Obviously the Eagles offensive woes we talked about, the defensive woes as well, an A minus against the C plus. Yeah, this pick was wrong. This whole game, it was cover, cover, cover easy. And then this guy, Carson Wentz, really uh, Carson Wentz really turned around. That's why I made him, uh, you can go see who the beast of the week is at the other podcast, but uh, any, in any case, that was a loss. But we were on the right side of this the whole time, I think. Uh, the other one, the second one was the over on the Falcons and the Vikings because of all the Minnesota defensive injuries and all the Atlanta defensive injuries and secondary injuries. Um, Early on, it didn't look good, but that hit easily, the over. That was a win. Washington versus the Giants. Um, it ended up going, when we chose it, it was uh, Washington plus three, and Washington stayed in the game. And yeah, uh, Ron Rivera going for two helped us easily win with the, with the plus three. The Jets-Dolphins we talked about, I didn't factor in the Jets' mental mindset. I just looked at the Jets' injuries compared to the Dolphins being relatively healthy. And with that, I mean, who would have thought I would have said Dolphins lay eight, nine, or 10 points, but they covered, it was the easiest cover there was. And the final one, the Rams, I thought with all the front seven injuries, the Rams would be able to run the ball. Uh, the Rams were able to run the ball, but they didn't run it early and often enough, and so that's a loss. So at least it's still a winning week at three and two. Um, Three and two. Uh, we've been four and one, four and one, four and one, three one and one, four and one, and three and two. So we're a total of 22, seven and one. This isn't picking teams. This is just looking at injury inequalities. So I challenge you all to go to Pro Football Doc website and judge for yourself what the injuries are. Look at the grades. And whether it's fantasy or DFS, you know, sign up for free and uh, take a look at uh, what there is. And um, we'll close off this uh, podcast here with, uh, you know, uh, a little preview into Thursday's game. Eagles, I think, have hit their depth in terms of injuries. After all, how many more can get injured? And quite honestly, the line inequalities Everybody in the world knows the Eagles are really injured. And Carson Wentz is literally last man standing. Jason Kelsey is playing, but he has a hip issue. Everyone else is hurt. And we go over in great detail at the other uh, part of the podcast. Literally everyone is injured for the Eagles. You go through all the wide receivers, the linemen, etc. Miles Sanders now out. Zach 
Ertz now out. But Lane Johnson's coming back this Thursday, I believe. It's a big divisional game. Deshaun Jackson's coming back. Jason Kelsey is healthy. Carson Wentz uh, is still remained injury-free. And they're headed in the right direction. Even defensively, I think they're headed in the right direction, the Eagles. So hopefully uh, there's hope for them because they've been really beaten up. And that's our little preview into Thursday. The official field view and injury index will be out uh, soon. Um, thanks for watching here. Subscribe at the usual locations. Thanks to OutKick. Go to profootball.doc.com and sign up for free. And check it out and uh, make yourself a winner, whether fantasy DFS or in uh, legal wagering.